Hi, you're on Community Radio, 2XX 98.3 FM. You're with Scotty and you're listening to Behind the Lines. Today we have a studio full of people, full of people, and we also have good folks on the phone calling in from the Central Coast, I think. Are you there, Vivian? Yes, yes. Excellent, excellent. And we have we have Zena. Hello. And Ingrid. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Great. And Kate. Hello. And Lindsay. Hi. Great, everybody's here. Um, right, so we're going to be having a good yarn today about homeschooling. Homeschooling. Ah, which sounds, sounds daunting to me. Ah. Now, um, yeah, can you guys uh, introduce yourselves, maybe? Who would like to go first? Uh, hi, I'm Zena, and I came across homeschooling through a friend who had a child on the autism spectrum who was unable to attend uh, regular classes with the traditional schooling system. So I got very interested in finding out a bit more about home education and uh, invited some of these lovely ladies along today to uh, help me educate myself about what um, home education is all about and who it can help and uh, the sort of children that um, are participating in this um, um, traditional or non-traditional form of education. So, um, Kate, would you like to tell me a little bit about what brought you to homeschooling and uh, where you're at now? Sure. I'm Kate. I'm home educating two teens, one nearly 17 and one 13. And I actually came to home education through um, having a son with a health issue, which uh, exacerbated through anxiety of going to school. So we had to make some quick decisions and um, very feeling very anxious about the idea of home educating. Um, and so we start. We decided we'd take him out of school for a short time and see how it went. And it was such a, a fabulous thing for him. We decided to keep going and then went on to home educate our daughter as well. Um, my name is Ingrid and uh, my kids are no longer home educated. Uh, we've, we've been through the process. Um, I took my kids out of school. Um, they're, they're not twins, but they were both in year five. Um, one had serious anxiety um, and we believed it was because the classroom wasn't a very good fit. And uh, the other one asked, could they be homeschooled as well? And so we just jumped in with both feet and I homeschooled them through year six through to year nine. We moved to Canberra and we came uh, into the Canberra system in year 10. So my kids actually went back into the system. Um, And then we part-time homeschooled for the rest of year 10. And then they finished uh, college and now they're in the tertiary system. Hi, I'm Lindsay. Um, At one point I was actually homeschooling three children, but now I'm back to homeschooling the original homeschool child. Um, She is on the autism spectrum and school gave her such anxiety that it was like a real risk to her health. So that's how we actually got into it, just through desperation. Then the second child felt ripped off because she had to go to school. And then my son... Um, he wasn't coping at school either, but now he's looking for a job. He's 19. My eldest daughter is thriving at school and my youngest daughter tried school for six months this year, but the wheels fell off and she's back home. 
And am yes. I the last one? You are, Vivian. <laughs> so I, um, unlike a lot of others, I started with homeschooling. So I had a five-year-old and a three-year-old and I just never sent them to school. And then I had three more children. So I've home-educated five and the two older ones have now gone on to uni and work. And then I still have three who are at home. So we've never tried the school system, but it's just been really a great experience, home educating. And I've, um, through my experience, I've helped a lot of others and I've done a lot of um, support for others, particularly those who are um, home educating because they've tried school and it's been a complete failure. So I've seen the whole spectrum of um, home education and it's great for all sorts of people. So for those listeners who might not be familiar with home education, would you ladies like to um, give us a little bit more detail about what home education actually is and how that might differ from a more traditional um, schooling model? Yeah, sure. Um, So it's Ingrid. Um, Home education and... We talked about when we came into the studio what we like to call it. Do we call it homeschooling or home education? And I think most people who've been doing it for a little while prefer to call it home education um, because it's not the same as school. And that's the reason we home educate, whether from the beginning because of, you know, philosophical reasons or because school doesn't work for whatever reason for our children. So after you've been doing it certainly for a little while, you start to look at it as educating and learning at home but it's not necessarily just at home that's the beautiful thing about it as well as we have the world as our as our classroom um, but you after a while you actually start to think about learning and the purpose of learning and education hopefully quite differently from maybe what you would think of um, when you think of schooling because they are two different things yeah, and the other thing, the point that I just make there is the distinction between sending a child to school and home education is that the parents take direct responsibility for the education of their children. Um, so it's 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 legal. It's um, just another choice. Like you might choose to send a child to public school or to a private school. You can also choose to take direct responsibility for your child's education. And you you'll notice today that we all do it very differently um, because we actually have the opportunity to meet the individual needs of our children and you might even do things very differently for one of your children and another one of your children because that's the beauty of it that we have the freedom to look at the needs of our child what's going to work for them what's going to frustrate them what's going to excite them and we get to actually um, individualize well I wouldn't even call it a program but individually educate our children I know for me when I when we very first started home educating because it was a choice of desperation it hadn't been something I'd thought about and planned um, we very much started off as school at home Mm. doing book work at the table for hours on end and I was stressed and she was stressed and then when I realized you know maybe it doesn't need to be like this and we started to form friendships with people there were social outings which are very very important And I kind of relaxed and talked to her about what is she interested in. And that's when she started to blossom. 
So you all sound like um, very, very capable, confident educators. Um, I'm just wondering for the listeners, what sort of qualifications would you need to homeschool your child? And uh, you don't actually you need that? any formal qualifications. Um, and some people, you know, in in the Facebook forums that that we're all part of, would actually say that that can actually be almost a disadvantage because you come at it with a viewpoint that. Whereas most of us who, who don't have that formal qualification, we come at it with, we only know our child and what's working. And if that's not working, we go and explore, we ask for help, and you find something different. So you don't actually, there's no formal qualification, but you should be registered. <laughs> <laughs> And what would the registration look like? Is that um, a formalised process? It is, and it differs from state to state. In the ACT, um, straight off the bat, you get six months as a sort of tried and see period, and after that you need to actually have a visit with the education department. Um, But we actually started in New South Wales, which is um, a much different um, way of doing things. Um, And the their process is a lo- seems to be a lot more arduous and formal than what's in the ACT. Um, but, it, yeah, it really differs from state to state. And as long as you can show that you are providing resources and op- learning opportunities, um, that's really all you need to do. Yeah, a lot of people get um, scared or frightened of registering and maybe that comes from uncertainty and um, a little bit of uh, self-confidence issues. But really, Lindsay's right, as long as you can demonstrate that you are providing learning opportunities that are suitable for your child and that you're covering um, the general spectrum of the curriculum, so you you think about subject areas really in that regard, Um, as long as you can demonstrate that you're, you're not just letting kid play video games all day. (laughs) The big concern is neglect, I think, from a state perspective. Um, That's what they're concerned about. They're concerned just to make sure that your child is being looked after and educated. And if you can demonstrate that, that's all pretty good. And um, um, and there's lots of support out there for people starting out um, and for people who have to go through the registration process. Lots of wonderful homeschoolers, um, home educating parents who will assist you through that process because they've all been there. So what would starting homeschooling look like? So say you've decided to homeschool your children and you're registered um, to do this. What would the process look like? How would you begin that and, and prepare? And um... I think this is where we start seeing that it's very different for everybody. So some people might choose to do um, a, a curriculum. So they might say, well, I'm just going to follow the Australian curriculum. Then there's other things like, you know, obviously the Waldorf Steiner, um, maybe the Montessori approach. So people will look around at all of those kinds of things. Um, and some people will stick with that. They'll say, okay, this works for me. I'll get a curriculum offline. I'll, um, there's lots of American curriculum. So they'll grab the curriculum and they'll adapt that to the needs of their child. Um, in my experience, I would say the majority of people that I know maybe start that way and then say, yeah. hang on a minute, yeah. <laughs> why am I doing this? Um, and really you start to say to yourself, 
why why is this in the curriculum and sometimes the answer is because that works for a school so then you start to wind it back and and really I think for most of us what we do is we really spend time with our children and we say we we we're connected with them we're observing them and what um I suppose I can speak for myself here I take very natural learning approach so I've always sort of encouraged my children well, not even encourage them. You can't stop kids learning. They learn. They're excited by things. They are absolutely mm. excited by things and they're interested in things. And it's almost a process of not getting in the way of that too much. Uh, sort of, and, and that's the temptation is to jump in and say, oh, but what about this and this and this? But I think um, as you get to trust yourself and you trust your kids, you start to notice that they're, if, they're con- if they're engaged, then they're actually learning. Um, then you spend lots of time talking to them and they might, um, I mean, for instance, one of my son's very interested in coding and web design, so um, we've always made sure that he has the latest technology um, and then we've supported him to direct his learning in that area. Um, he started his own little business when he was 12 online because he was so enthusiastic and so... Um, motivated by what he was doing that he just took it in his own direction there might be sometimes where I think oh this is kind of not you know maybe um, there's maybe a little bit of attention needs to happen here so that's when we have a conversation about it and uh, and encourage that so I mean you'll find you know other people here today will, will tell different stories about the way that they do it because it is a very individual process and what I what I'd say to anybody who's thinking about home education is you will absolutely find your way and so will your child and that there's lots of support around you that there's other people that have been doing it I've been home educating for 12 years and you know there's lots of people around that are, that are there ready to support um, newer home educators and is there uh, any any significant cost involved in homeschooling there can be not not in the the actual providing of the home schooling unless you um, are buying lots and lots of stuff that you probably will never use but it's 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 the potential loss of an income mm, yes, really. yeah, that's, that's, yeah that's, that's the biggest that's thing the biggest cost and you know some of us um eat baked beans because we think it's really important that we're there for our kids uh, some people can afford it um and some people work around it you know, maybe two parents are sharing the educating while, you know, working or sharing the childcare or whatever, but that's that's the biggest expense. Mm. And uh, Vivian, you mentioned that you've had um, a few children go through the homeschooling um, or home education program, and I'm just wondering about some of your thoughts about that total journey. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, for... Like when you start out and they're just little, it's actually like an extension of what you've been doing since they were born. So they just, you know, they, they're they progressing at their own rate. So I think it's a little bit of an advantage. You can just keep working on the next thing that they need to learn rather than feeling like you've got to keep up with the what they might be doing if they were at school. And... Um, but also as they get on, you know, they go through different stages and they might have a period where they're having a really hard time and you can just back off. You don't you don't need to do so much work in that area. Or then you find that, you know, they're getting older and they need some more, um, they're going to need some kind of 
um, way of making their way in the world. So you try and help them, guide them into something that's going to be a bit of a pathway for them to to be able to get a job or work or something. So, so I think you can really um, take it from... I think it can be um, really important to take it from their cues and take and and also what you see to see that that they need. Whereas I think sometimes when you've had a child who's been in school and you've had to take them out, um, it can be quite a dramatic change. And then um, there can be a feeling like you need to, okay. Um, keep going with what they need or you've re- recognised that they're not so um, good at reading or doing maths or something, so you can feel like you need to push them in that direction, whereas in actual fact, some children who come out of school, they actually just need a chance to recover and to regain that love of learning. That um, I think it was Kate... Or I, I, it's a bit hard for me to tell the name, uh, tell the who's speaking. But um, somebody was saying how children are wired to learn. They they love learning, and they do. But sometimes they've had such a bad experience at school that they're actually kind of traumatised, and they need actually have a break and just recover, so that then they can regain their love of learning. And so, you know, there's a whole. There's a whole lot of stuff going on there. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, you. I think I've lost my, I've lost your um, question, original question. Um, yes, it was also interested in. I know that some of you had mentioned you had originally a child that you felt really needed to be home educated, while you had another child who was in the traditional school system, and that child had preferred to be home educated with their sibling. Would you like to tell me a little bit about that and um, how that? Um, it was Lindsay, right? Uh, or Ingrid, sorry, Ingrid. Um, how, how you found that one child was better suited to um, home education and the other child had been in the traditional school system and was now requesting to be homeschooled. So when you've got children that clearly have maybe very different needs or social needs, um, how were you able to determine what was the best fit and how did the children respond to that? Certainly when my two daughters... Um, I started off homeschooling my youngest daughter. She was in year two. Her elder sister's two years older. And at the end of year four, she, you know, she was starting to pull sickies and, you know, she'd magically recover by about ten past nine. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but because I was already homeschooling, she didn't get to watch TV for the day. She had to actually like, do what we were doing. And she absolutely loved it. And she was saying, well, why do I have to go to school? That's not fair. So we brought her home and she was home, home educated for years five, six and seven. Um, and she's a very much more a social kid than her little sister who has Asperger's. And I personally, I found that a little bit hard to manage because I had one child that wanted to go out and do lots of things and another child who really desperately was overwhelmed by too much social interaction and I, I found that really hard to manage, actually, um, particularly when we lived in Wagga. But since we've moved to Canberra, they've grown up a little bit in age together and they've found friends that they can both like, <laughs> which which that's, that really helped. But now my eldest is in school. She went to school this year and she has found her tribe and she's as happy as Larry. 
So mm. I've got one at home and one being social. <laughs> and Ingrid. Yeah, so um, initially it was um, my son who wanted to, um, that we thought we needed to homeschool because um, he had the more issues at school. Um, and at the time, my daughter said, you know, can I come home to what, what would it be like, mum? And I'm like, I don't know. I've never done this before. Um, I said, I think, you know, this is what I think it would be like. I think that we'd be able to learn at our own pace. Um, so uh, for my children, they, they learn quite quickly. Um, but they had some other learning difficulties, which meant, well, turns out both of them, meant that, you know, the way that schools do things, particularly, you know, in a classroom as a group, because you have to do it that way because it's because of the system, didn't quite work for them. So um, it actually, it, for both of them, it ended up being a, a really lovely experience. And um, we all look back on our homeschooling days with great fondness in that we were able to to learn so much more than we were than they were doing at school. Um, they were able to manage their learning difficulties, and we found different ways of working around that, which would have been quite difficult in a classroom. And still is quite difficult, say, even in tertiary, but they're now more mature and can advocate a little bit better for themselves. So um, f for me, um, the trigger was one child, but it actually ended up being a really great thing for both of them. Thank you. So you've both outlined a little bit about the differences between like public schooling and home education. Could you give our listeners a little bit more detail about what that would look like if they're considering whether or not they should do the home education? Yeah, so my background is interesting too because I actually am a qualified um, high school science and maths teacher. Um, so I, I, I brought my baggage, my baggage to the to the home uh, when we were homeschooling as well. Um, so the, the difference really is, and people say, do you need to be qualified? No, you need to be able to be open to learning as well. And um, if you can have that sense of curiosity um, about things maybe that you'd never thought about before. So, you know, I, I learned so much in the years that I homeschooled that I missed out somehow in school. So I learned a lot about civics and citizenship and democracy and we were able to go, you know, go to the morning and go to the Museum of um, Australian Democracy here in Canberra. So we're actually... The, 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 for me, the big difference was to be able to be flexible. And I tell a story. One day we were sitting there doing our worksheet because I was a teacher and that's what we do, worksheets on geometry, and it was a bit boring, but, you know, we had to do it, tick that box. Um, and it was about, you know, triangles. It was different shapes, two-dimensional shapes. And while they were doing their worksheets, I was Googling and I found a, um, a movie about... Um, shapes and it was actually based on a book written in the 1800s and not only was that book about different types of shapes with different sides but as you moved got more and more uh, sides to your shapes you moved up the social hierarchy so it was a commentary on social um, social hierarchy and it was also a, a commentary on maths so what if there was this one person in this character in the book what if there was three dimensions and because it was flatland was the book if anyone's interested and the movie um, 
they dared to think outside the square and they were like no you can't, no there's no such thing because they couldn't imagine it so um so we so we looked at this movie and disney has actually made a movie and um we downloaded that we paid for it we downloaded it and then the kids went oh mum can we make flatland and so the next thing you know we've got our colored paper out and our scissors and our rulers and they had to work out how to make an equilateral triangle versus an isosceles triangle and you know how do we make an even-sided penta you know um so they had to they had to work all that out themselves my day got my plan for the day got completely thrown out the window i had all these other things that we were going to do but by the end of it we had done you know um mathematics we'd done a bit of history we've done um philosophical discussions we've done cutting pasting we've done all these different things and it was the best day we still Mm -hmm. you know and so that's an example of how like a home educating day will run you can follow their interests you can find resources you can go oh this is so exciting and so interesting and i learned so much whereas at school the bell rings and you move on to your next class Mm -hmm. so for me that's a perfect example of one of the fundamental differences between what you can do at home in terms of learning and what you do in school. And, and actually on that point, Ingrid, I was talking to a, um, to a young person who'd moved from home education into the college system and I asked her, you know, how are you finding it and how different is it? And she said to me the hardest thing for her was that she would just get into something and the bell would ring. Yeah. And she said it was just so strange for her not to be able to depth her learning yep. that she had to stop and reshift and then come back to it. Yeah. And she said that she found that quite frustrating and it was it wasn't the, the deep kind of learning that she'd been used to. Yeah, and my child and they went back into this the college system and doing specialist maths in year 11 and 12 said mum the thing that school has taught me this year is how to stop thinking. So we're talking about the highest level of maths there is to do in school and was frustrated because they weren't allowed to pursue in more depth this fascinating mathematics and they had to stop because that's all they were going to do there. And, you know, that's that's what the teacher said. So and I just thought that was the saddest comment. It's like school stopped me from learning. Well, it, sound, it sounds like the, the idea of home educating is quite organic and this mm. is how we began educating our children from the very beginning. Yeah. 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 So that, that now we've created a more indoctrinated traditional system that's more compartmentalised. Mm. And as you've shared that, you know, especially for the children that have been used to the organic way, it's very hard to make that shift back into that very specific structure. And I think particularly for my child with autism, um, she desperately, desperately wanted to go to school, I think mainly because she felt that I might buy her a phone. <laughs> but that didn't actually happen and I was never going to do that and I did do a lot of soul searching and you know her dad initially said no and I said well what kind of parents says no you can't go to school <laughs> you know maybe we need to talk about it but you can't just say no um, so we did look around and we found quite an alternative school um, cost a lot of money realised I'd be throwing the other child under the bus if I didn't send her there as well. So we did eat baked beans for six months. Um, But, you know, after a little while, the novelty really wore off and her being quite a rigid, inflexible thinker, she found even in a school where everything is project-based and very different to traditional school, that the stop-start and all the rest of it was still 
too difficult for her. Um, but one thing that that all home educating parents worry about is once you've had your child at home for a certain period of time, like five years, my child was at home, you send them to school and you think, have I done a good enough no. job? And turns out with both of them, yes, I had. Yeah. They're actually at the upper end of, of their classes and all things academic, even ones that I had not specifically sat down with them because it all just comes in and assimilates somehow. Like, you know, when you make custard, you put all the stuff in and you give it a stir and it just it turns into custard. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and so many parents that I spoke to um, and and myself, you know, you, you worry so much, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? And it is, uh, particularly when you first start, but it's always in the back of your mind, am I doing them a disservice by educating them at home? Are they keeping up with the Joneses back in school land? And and now that my mine have been back into school, the answer is academically yes. Um, they still have their same issues, whether they're at home or at their school. Their learning difficulties and their strengths are still the same. Um, mm. But so, but certainly in terms of academics, um, yes, you, you do do enough. Um, and in fact, sometimes you do better. And Another example is my my um, daughter really wanted to learn Japanese, and I don't speak Japanese. So, but we 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 found some resources, some online stuff through our local library, which is fantastic. I bought the textbooks, and they basically taught themselves Japanese. And I sort of tried to follow along, but I'm not very good at it. Turns out, um, but. When we went into school, one of the great things I thought, I was like, oh, good, they can do Japanese in school. And um, the teacher came to me and said, so they've never been at school before and, and they taught themselves Japanese. Is that right? I went, yeah. And I went, oh, here we go. What's happening here? And he goes, they're just amazing. Um, and in particular, my daughter, he was like, I've never seen anyone like it. So if, if they have a passion and they want to learn themselves, um, they can actually do better than school. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, and so now I'm studying Japanese at university. So go figure. <laughs> I think also something that, sorry, do you mind? <laughs> um, I think something that we often are afraid of is that we'll um, there'll be gaps. We'll, yeah. we'll not t teach them something and they'll have a gap. And I think that um, even that doesn't really matter. Um, so <laughs> what we're I feel like what we're trying to do is help them to um, be able to learn and to love learning and to know how to learn. Yeah, that's so, the biggest thing. Yep. Yeah, I mean, my daughter, my eldest daughter... Um, she turned out to have dyslexia and we didn't find out until she was at uni. And also, oh, partly because she had dyslexia, she actually only really finished two years worth of math, high school level math. So she, she did that and then she went to TAFE and I discovered that on the last day of TAFE, when she was doing lab techniques, she, needed, she had needed logarithms, which we'd never touched. And I said... How did you cope with that? You never learnt logarithms. And she said, well, I put up my hand and I asked the teacher. And the kids who'd done math for their HSC, they also had forgotten how to do logarithms. <laughs> so you had to explain it about three times. And then we could do it. And so um, she hadn't, didn't have a problem. And then the next year she went to uni and she did math, like a first-year math subject. And she discovered that calculus existed. <laughs> 
And then she had to learn calculus, which she'd never touched. And she did that because she needed to know it now. And then she got, I think, a distinction in math. And so really they can learn, even if there are gaps or there are things that, you know, they find difficult, if they need to know it, they have, they can have that confidence to know how to learn it and to ask if they need to have questions answered and to access the information. I mean, there's so much information which is accessible now. When I started home educating, like, the internet wasn't quite what it is now. So, you know, there wasn't, you know, we had, we didn't have that kind of spectrum of information at our fingertips, but now there's heaps of stuff out there. And if they've got that, that confidence and that um, understanding that um, learning is there, you can find it, and you, if you need to know it, there's a way of doing it. I think, you know, that that's really helpful to know that that even if there are gaps, they can fill them in later. It's not a, it's not. And if you think um, about that, even as adults, we're always filling in gaps. I find yeah, myself yeah, yeah. learning new things all the time because I don't know how to do them. So yeah. I go and learn them, learn yeah. how to do video editing. Um, yeah. So it, I think that's a really important comment is, you know, that learning how to learn is what we're aiming for. And mm. then we become lifelong learners. And um, I think because most of us went through the school system, we do get a little bit hung up on, you know, have we done enough, have, you know, but what if they don't know how to do tests or the stupidest thing that someone ever said to me was, but how will your kids know how to line up? <laughs> ever been to the bank ever been to disneyland you know like really like that's what you're worried about but you know um we, there's lots of opportunities to learn through the world and and if we can set our kids up as lifelong learners and be able to know where to go to to learn new things we're doing a great thing Mm. That's right. And, and in home education, one thing I observe is, you know, that, as I was saying before, having that time to actually keep going. Yeah. So I know that I'm actually a qualified teacher as well. And I know that if kids miss something in the school system, they don't ha always have the opportunity to revisit it. Yeah. Whereas in home education, whatever they're doing, they can stick with it until they get it. And so then when they're older, they think, oh, I don't know this. They don't think, oh, well, I won't know it. They go, oh, so I'll have to find out. I'll have to mm -hmm. work out a way of finding out or a way of learning this um, without having those impediments. Well, you know, I, I talk to people all the time. They say, I'm hopeless at maths. Oh. My fourth grade maths teacher said, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm like, wow, so you learnt when you are in fourth grade and that was it. Yeah. You know, so there's a switch off. And one thing I notice with home educated kids is there isn't that switch off. They're always open to learning new things. And on that note too with the mathematics but also in other subjects, um, I think as parents sometimes we do bring our own baggage um, to, the, to the home educating world. Um, and that's why I, when I first started off, it's like you need what you need to be is not a qualified teacher but curious. If you can show that you're willing to learn, if you can leave your baggage, I'm bad at maths, no, you are learning alongside with your child. Um, if you can show, if you can model that love of learning or the, um, okay, we need to know this maths. What do we need to know it for? Okay, let's find out. Let's find out. If you can model that curiosity, that's a beautiful thing for you and for your children. And, and as Vivian said, 
all of those resources are available at yeah. fingertips. I mean, even 20 years ago, this is a very different thing, mm. um, but now there's no reason all of these resources are available to us. And most, mostly free if you yes. are yeah. persistent <laughs> enough. Go, you know, you, the Google University will tell you everything eventually if you ask <laughs> it the right question. Yeah, yeah. so the <laughs> internet. And don't forget li- local libraries. They are a wonderful resource Um at, we're lucky in Canberra, our public institutions, mm. not just visiting them, but very often online. If you go into their teachers section, there will be a whole bunch of online resources ready for teachers to use and you mm. can adapt those and use those for your children. Mm. You know, certainly we lived in Wagga, as I said earlier, and when we were doing some sort of civics and how does government work, um, we made an appointment with the mayor. And, mm. you know, mm. I took my two daughters in. He insisted on speaking to my youngest child, which sort of taught me that she refused to speak back to him. But, you know, <laughs> the eldest one spoke enough for both of them. But, you know, they are, they, I made sure they were prepared with a list of things to ask him so that we didn't waste his time. And it turns out they're, you know, much more interested in, in federal government, really, than local government. But he was happy to answer all those questions too. But I think that actually getting in there and doing things Mm. rather than only observing or only watching a video or only Mm. doing a worksheet. Um, Having that that follow-through of being able to talk about something and then say, well, hey, let's make it. Or, hey, let's go and do it. Or, hey, let's go and find someone someone that actually does this. Mm. Um, And that, that sort of really reinforces things, I think. And I think, too, on that point, people say, oh, home-educated kids, they're not in the real world. Um, whereas, actually, it, it is a real-world situation. And I was just thinking of a, um, one time we were sitting around at breakfast and we were talking about abstract expressionism. We decided to go to the art gallery. There was an exhibition on. We watched lots of YouTube. The kids loved all the slapping of paint. And on the way home, we picked up some canvases and just spent the afternoon painting. Um, so there was no impediment to doing that. Mm. And that kind of is the real world that's like being able just to go and visit the museum of democracy or go to a gallery or not having to sit back and intellectually observe it from a distance yeah yeah it sounds like what you've done is really create a real willingness to learn rather than sort of a more compulsory forced learning structure so as the kids are moving through Um, their journey with home education and their becoming adults and going out into the world. Um, Those of you with older children, what have you noticed about how they interact and how they um, question things that they're coming across? Um, People are always surprised with my kids that they would just go and talk to the adults because for them, (laughs) the adults weren't the people in charge. They were the people to go and ask questions to. Um, So, you know, we'd be in a shop and, you know, they'd be asking them questions. So um, I think for my kids, you know, the people were always a bit surprised at, you know, how well they sort of integrated out into the real world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think um, they're... They they are in the real world every day. I mean, they're not they're not isolated um, by necessity. There there are networks and there's there is the whole world. You can take them shopping with them. You can do the daily things that you do, and it, they're just always there in the real world. So, um, you know, I think that they get to interact with a wide range of people and with 
all the people that you can possibly come across in daily life and also, um, you know, when you go out of your way to go to places. So I think they actually get a much kind of better experience of social interaction and um, being a part of society than particularly kids who are with their age peers and only, you know, a few adults who are authority figures mm. in, in the school system because they're, they're, they're in that kind of structured system every day, whereas our kids are in the world doing stuff, doing real things all the time. And so I think that then that gives them a much better um, ability to integrate into whatever they go on and do in the future. And I found that particularly with my older kids, they've, they've really fitted well into... And they're, and they're kind of not concerned about what other people think about them so much. I mean, there is that, but, but they've got that um, kind of basic self-esteem and so they can go in and they can stand up for themselves. And, and I think it was Ingrid who said advocate for themselves. Yeah. And they can, they, I think they can do that really well. Mm-hmm. And also, the other thing I would like to say is that because you actually spend time with them and you've kind of invested in their lives so much, they actually have a better relationship with you as their parent and with their siblings than they might have otherwise if, if they were separated from us all the time. So, or, you know, for the school time. So I think they tend to come back. Well, this is my experience. They come back and talk to you a lot about stuff that's bothering them or just their normal life experience. I know my son, he always comes and takes his sister, you know, he's 24 now, he takes his sisters to the movies and he does stuff with them because he likes being with them. And he comes and he tells me um, what's going on in his life and, you know, his happiness and sadness and everything, even though he, he hasn't really lived at home for five years. So I think that's quite kind of something I didn't really expect so much when I started, that it would be not only about the academics and the, the education, but also about the relationships mm. with um, me and you know, the parents and the siblings and also the other people around. I think that it's a really good investment in that as well. So it sounds like if the idea of schooling is to prepare kids to contribute um, as they get older as adults to their communities, it sounds like you ladies are doing a a really bang-up job of this. I think it's important to know that, you know, even though I think we try really hard and I think most parents who make this decision don't do it lightly um, and so we actually make a huge effort to, you know, to socialise and to do all a well-rounded job. Um, but, you know, our kids are still... They're still the same whether they were in school or at home. They've still got their strengths and their weaknesses and mm. their their issues. And um, But I think the beauty of home education is that you're allowed to work with all of those. And so 
I think particularly for my kids, if we had of pushed through um, and stayed in a situation that wasn't working for them, that perhaps they would not be as functional as they are now. Are they perfect? No. Um, mm. But none of us are. And I think that's one of the things that when people think about, you know, home educators or that we might be, our kids might be missing out somehow or we're doing the wrong thing or our kids are going to be too sheltered or too this or too that. And I think it's the opposite. I think we actually allow our kids to be the best versions of themselves they can be. Um, yeah. And I just think it's a lovely opportunity to let your children do that. Um, and I think a lot of the fears that people have about homeschooling and, and their preconceptions are largely unfounded. And as you, as you said, Vivian, you find lots of lovely spin-offs that you weren't really quite expecting mm. in terms of relationships and, and personal growth. And um, have you found with some of the kids that you have tried homeschooling with that elected to go back to the traditional schooling system, um, how did you know it was time to do that? And what helped you uh, make that decision and to know it was the right decision? Um, well, my eldest daughter, she actually asked to go back to school um, partway through year seven. Um, and my husband was fairly adamant that she shouldn't go, but you know, we, we did send her to our local high school, which is a mega school. Um, and I have to say, I think that was really the wrong decision for her in in the, that particular school. The, the social situation that was there was really quite um, a passive-aggressive, mean girls, you know, the whole shebang. And she actually went from a kid who would get up at seven o'clock in the morning so she could read the latest NASA briefings and tell me all about it over breakfast <laughs> to somebody who at, you know, 12 years old was swearing at me and slamming the door. Um, and this happened within a period of like two months. And she has never quite, you know, she said, no, no, I still want to go, I still want to go. And she's now no longer in that school, that only went to the we went halfway through to year the fourth term and we just took her out and went well she's not going back so it doesn't really matter <laughs> <laughs> but you know she's never regained that self she's starting to now I think after a year of being in an alternative school but that self-driven mm. love of learning you know of of spending four days in a row doing maths because, you know, for her, she was like, I, I can do this, I'm getting better, I'm getting better. And I, my, my avatar is growing, and apparently that's really important. <laughs> and I don't really care if your avatar is growing, but if you're going to spend four days doing maths, it's a win. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it was, it was time when they asked, yeah, I think. Yeah, mine asked. Yeah, they just... Um, we had moved to Canberra, and we'd met a couple of people, but they sort of wanted... They get to an age where they do want to have a little bit of social um, interactions or more. Um, and at that particular time, um, it was hard for me to get out and provide that for them. So um, we gave school a go and we looked at lots of different schools and we found one that we thought wouldn't be awful. Uh, that's 
a pretty negative way to look at it. No, we took the we took the best option that we thought at the time, and that's the other thing too is like you can make these decisions. You don't really know how they're going to work, whether at home or at school. Give it your best shot, and um, so we did. We gave it their best shot, and one of the great things about their time at that school is because they made some really lovely friends. And but the school part of it. Um, they then decided to part-time homeschool, which is legal in the ACT, which is really nice. Mm. So we're able to have the best of both worlds there a bit. They went to the, for the subjects that they wanted to do at school. They got to see their friends there, and they're still friends with them now, even though we're there at uni. But we were able to come home and do the learning that we wanted to do at home. But I, th- I think for... Um more teenagers than yeah. than anybody than any other children unless unless the the return to school is driven by family circumstances for the children asking to go back to school it's much more common as teenagers yeah. because they're wanting that sort of full time to be plugged into a social network where when they're younger they're happy to have you know maybe a couple of days a week or whatever or an hour here and two hours there yeah. or but when they're when they're older they just a lot of them just want a lot more social input than mum is prepared to do yeah in in that you know i don't want to be sitting in a park <laughs> five days a week you know that, that does they... get a little bit tiresome <laughs> i have to say <laughs> Yeah, things change a lot around the teen years and and I'd have to say that there are kids that ask to go back to school and go back and they don't like it Mm. because a lot of the kids are like, what's all this dynamic about? This is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, they're sort of... Or they're affected by it and they say, I don't want to be in this kind of environment. They see it for what it is. I don't see, oh, this is something I have to deal with because this is the way the world is. They say, actually, I don't have to deal with this. And I think a lot of people criticise home education. They say, well, kids have to learn to deal with difficult things. But, I mean, in, in my opinion, you talk to a lot of people that are choosing negative experiences over and over again and then there's other people that say no I actually enjoy I enjoy my work and I love my job and I think learning that you have to put up with toxic or difficult situations isn't actually such a great lesson (laughs) (laughs) so Vivian I heard you trying to jump in there um yeah I I mean I'd agree with that I, I think school is a particular environment and um it's not really similar to the workplace, particularly for um, young for children who can't um, speak up for themselves, or you know they feel like they have no choice but to be there. I think that's really unusual in in the workplace. If you if your work environment is toxic, you ought to be able to speak up. You ought to be able to choose. Actually, this is not a good place for me to be. I'm going to go find a different job. I'm going to go. Um, I'm just going to leave because it's just not safe. Where some children feel like they're they're kind of don't have any choices or they don't have the ability to speak up and say this is not a good place. Whereas you know, in um, if they've been home educated and then they go to school, then they they know that there's an alternative, and so they can say this is not a good place or no, it's okay, I can do this, I don't have to accept that because I know that's not really okay. And so they can they have a bit of a better foundation to be there. And the other thing I think that I was going to say was it dep- does depend on your um, local home education network. So where I am, 
there are hundreds of activities going on all the time. So you actually, when they were younger, I used to say, oh, you know, we should go to these activities to encourage the people who've organised them. I had to give up that because there were so many activities that you actually couldn't physically be at, all the different things. And so they just pick and choose the things that they want to go to. They go to group classes. They go to activities. I mean, there's also a lot of things that are available after school. So they go to dance and drama and um, youth group and um, things like that, as well as things that are organised within the homeschooling community. And so they have a lot of opportunity to do things and meet. they meet with friends that they, um, they just made you know, some friends and so they organise to do stuff with them to go shopping or to go out. And I have just this year got a tea plater who is still home educated. My older two were already at uni or at work or at TAFE when they got their peas, whereas my um, my third child has her peas and is still home educated, which is just fabulous because she can take her sister's places. <laughs> and, and so they're really quite free to go and do stuff and you know so it just depends on your circumstances like how you can um meet the needs of child and um the needs of your family for all the different things that you need to do and sometimes it might be school but even still they can see that that environment is what they can deal with or else they can go no it's not what I can deal with I don't want to do that anymore and then they can choose to go home so I think that empowers them. Mm-hmm. What I've also heard from um, all of you ladies is that you've also developed a passion for learning or um, reignited your passion for learning yourselves. And I remember from my own years in traditional schooling that the teachers I had that really inspired me were teachers who were very passionately involved in the sharing of learning and they were genuinely interested in what they were sharing. And a lot of the other teachers um we're not thriving within the traditional mm-hmm. school environment. So I know that a couple of you are former teachers yourselves. Mm-hmm. How are you, are you finding that with some of the restrictions in traditional schooling now with a lot of the cuts and the resources being um, taken away? That's really um, creating a lot of challenges for the teachers in traditional schooling systems. So um, would you care to yeah, comment? Yeah, so um, when I first started homeschooling, I actually still was teaching part-time. So I was trying to keep a little bit of a part-time income and have my husband, who was flexible at that time, look after the kids and do the, the, the bits that he wanted to do with them while I was teaching. And I did that for um, two terms. And as we went on and on, at the contrast between how I was able to teach, teach is not even the right word at home, but so how I was able to facilitate learning um, compared to ideally what I'd like to be able to do at school, but wasn't able to be just because of numbers, the, you know, you've got what 28, 30 kids in your class with all different learning needs. And, you know, you, you knew the theory, but like, um, to to be able to really truly provide all of those children with an individualised education is really really difficult, hugely time consuming, um, and a, a lot of teachers who try and do that stuff burn out. 
and I guess I was one of them. I am one of the statistics of the teachers who didn't last the first five years. I did four and a half. Um, and I think mostly I, I ended up leaving because the contrast between what I was able and the learning we're able to do at home versus the learning we weren't doing in school um, was too great. And, you know, I would spend the majority of my days doing behaviour management because when you get a large group of children together, they can be lovely individually and most often they were. If they had problems, there was usually a good reason for them. But you put all of those kids in one big same age peer group and they turn a bit feral some not some of them um and even if they you know not meaning to they do and i've had kids who've come up and apologized to me afterwards and um you know seen me out in the street and say oh miss we were so mean to you i'm like i know i told you you were being mean (laughs) but you didn't do anything about it goes we were just i was just trying to be part of the group um so there is a group mentality not all kids are good at um breaking free of that particularly in a school situation um so yeah so that was my challenges um being a teacher in a school situation compared to um being a home educating parent <laughs> yeah I, th- I think I, I, majority of my time I worked as a counsellor and career advisor in senior high school and the sorts of things that I observed that, that were concerning I suppose was um, kids coming into year 11 who had really big gaps but the thing that was most concerning for me as a career counsellor was the perceptions they had about themselves and their learning. So you could see that when you started to talk to them about the future and where they were heading, there was all these impediments or all these ideas about how they wouldn't be able to do that and they wouldn't be able to do this. Um, So I suppose that um, when I was in that system, I I found that really frustrating and I can imagine for teachers, I mean, this is only me imagining because I haven't been in a school for a very long time, I think the big culture shift, the the introduction, you know, the, the rapidly changing technology, the rapidly changing world of work must be such a challenge um, because you've got um, kids using using electronic devices in school, um, outside of school, accessing information. Um, I think there's there's a whole range of issues that are that must be very present in the school system at the moment. And I suppose as a home educator, I can just take advantage of all that or I can use it and I can, you know, because I don't have the restrictions. So I imagine that there are a lot of challenges within the system at the moment because we have a system preparing kids for a past you know yeah. the, the past and yeah. not, not the future and that's the thing like as a teacher you you're stuck in a system um and even as a, a relatively new teacher who embraced technology and was trying the latest and greatest pedagogies that's ways of teaching and managing your classroom and managing learning you still you still have to follow a certain program um it's dictated to you when you will teach stuff how not how you will teach it you still have choices within that but to a limit like you still have to limit that to how that will work in a classroom situation so I work in education providing now um, education experiences for children Um, but I'm still when you're trying to do something for a group you you manage that um, process very differently than if you were just sitting down one-on-one with a kid Um, so so teachers are very much stuck in sort of a system uh, or and for me the biggest issue is um, top down um, an interference by you know you ne- I never ever felt in any career that I've done and I've done a few um, that I in, in teaching I always felt as if I had never done enough and that I should be 
you know, doing this and I should be trying this way of technology and you know, the pressure on you as a teacher to always be doing more with less um, and still within the constraints of a classroom is immense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think any teacher will tell you, like a lot of people say oh, the same thing, you know, but what if, what if your homeschool kids are missing out on, you know, X, Y and Z and we've addressed that. But people don't realise that just because kids are in a classroom, A, doesn't mean that they're paying attention, doesn't mean they're learning. Um, they do the worksheet. You can. Well, we've all been in a situation where we studied for a test and forgotten everything as soon as we walked out of that exam room. So don't kid yourself that just because kids are in school that they're learning and they're retaining that and it's useful for them or that they're learning what they need. Um, You know, it's actually really hard to be critical and creative thinkers in a classroom situation. Um, It's hard for the teacher to teach that or to facilitate that and it's really hard as a learner if that's what you want to do. you, you you can't question things because the kid who puts their hand up and asks questions are interrupting the flow of the lesson and in the meantime little Johnny's stabbing little Stephen with a pen you know um, that's the reality of the classroom situation and I think people put their rose coloured glasses on when they remember what their school days were like um, and the reality certainly in high school might be a little bit different in primary but from what I talk to my primary school teacher friends it's, it's getting more and more difficult so um, the reality of your classroom situation is not what you imagine it to be necessarily I have a a friend who's a special needs educator within the classroom who is there to assist with children with um, learning difficulties predominantly children with ADHD and uh, children that may not be able to participate in the classroom um, collectively so she was saying to me that um, they're was enormous challenge in that child having valued learning experience Mm -hmm. because they were being isolated from the rest of the class and um, not getting to interact. So in her um, experience, she would have preferred to see some of those children go through um, a a home education model, but unfortunately that wasn't available um, where she was living. This is another country. Mm -hmm. And um, I just am curious to see with children with uh, learning difficulties that are maybe forced into the traditional school system. Um, have you noticed as they've matured through that how their coping mechanisms have formed and when you've taken children with um, learning difficulties out of the school system and into the home education, um, what that looks like too? Um, well, my, my son is a prime example. Um, we didn't actually realise that he had autism until he was about 14. His diagnosis actually came off the back of his five-year-old sisters. When we'd done a bit of research, we went, hey, maybe he doesn't only have ADHD. He is so stereotypically Asperger's, they almost could have his photograph in the book of this is what it looks like. Um, And, you know, as soon as we did get that diagnosis, he was, because he had been struggling all through primary school and once we'd got this diagnosis of ADHD we thought well that's what we've got to deal with and you know after soul searching we decided to medicate him so he wasn't in year two with a beard because he academically wasn't coping and socially wasn't coping and the medication definitely addressed the academically bit for the most part but it didn't do anything about the social coping um 
but you know it was it was still a real challenge for him and when we got this diagnosis of of autism and I went to the high school with my letter from the psychologist um quick as a flash nothing happened um and they did say we will pass this on to our you know the the education special education team and we'll sort something out and so then my husband and I went in together and saw the principal and quick as a flash nothing happened um and then we went by the time we'd been in for the fourth time um we actually took him out of school and we did go to the last um, teacher parent interview night where um, the maths and science teachers they weren't in attendance because they were playing AFL against the year 12s um, so you know there was only the English and history and woodwork teacher or something and the lady from home ec who was really nice she got him but I did speak to the special education people on my way out just to say just wondering what support you were giving to my son because we were told he would be getting support and she said never heard of him oh. you know so that, that that's a real struggle in that you know the funding goes to the school but it doesn't necessarily trickle down to your child who really needs it mm. and so when we when we did bring him home um, we initially started doing distance education which is another way of of doing home education because I was a little bit daunted about suddenly taking on year nine maths and all this kind of stuff when I was only trying to get my head around how do I home educate a year two kid um, and you know that honestly didn't work for us because the workload was really huge mm. and without that face-to-face and the the hustle and bustle of moving from class to class his motivation was really low to get that kind of stuff done. So then we really looked into what excites you. And so, you know, he's since gained qualifications in programming and game design and, you know, various things that in the career path where he wants to go because he really can hyper-focus on all that kind of stuff as opposed to being completely distracted, overwhelmed and not even knowing where to start. So I think the real key is is just knowing, like, tailoring a little bit to that child and and their strengths rather than you may never be able to fill in those weaknesses with a kid with learning disabilities. So you play play to their strengths. And that's very much what I noticed. Um, I I know it as a teacher and I've... definitely know it as a parent is schools and teachers probably through no fault of their own work on a deficit model so they will look at your child and if they have weaknesses in certain areas and a lot of homeschoolers um, or certainly a lot of bright kids very smart learn very quickly great at maths can't write that it just paralyzes them and so much of school is writing and so the teachers will hone in on that particularly in primary school and that makes their kid feel really bad about themselves they think that they're stupid um whereas at home you can work on a strengths model while gently supporting the weaknesses you can scaffold you can work around you can find other ways of demonstrating knowing um, other ways of learning um, and slowly work on the skills so um for my kids they're 
we got the diagnosis of ADHD actually when when we were homeschooling. And so for me, you know, if they're still struggling with this stuff and still try, struggling with focusing in a home environment, then there's something going on. And so we're able to get that diagnosis, which was great because then you can understand better where they're, where they're coming from. So then you're able to support that at home and, and in a lot better way than I ever could do in a classroom with a kid who had the same issues. Um, they still have the same issues now that they're in tertiary education. They still need scaffolding. They still need medication. Um, their anxiety levels are much higher now because they're in a, a, an external thing where we can't work around it as much and it's still a system. Um, but they can advocate for themselves and we and and slowly slowly they're maturing and their their brain is maturing they're working on things that interest them so you've got a pathway and it, it's still a juggle and it you know homeschooling doesn't just magically fix your child if it needs fixing and but also it tells you that you don't need to fix mm. children they cuz well, even as adults we've all we're all got our own foibles and we, and we've managed to find a way that works for us and so the same will be for our children but Definitely being able to home educate meant that the anxiety levels were a lot, lot less um, and that was one less thing we had to deal with. <laughs> mm-hmm. And actually on that on that point, in ACT we have 300 registered home educators and the, the directorate is saying to us at the moment that um, the majority of those are either profoundly gifted, gifted, ADHD on the spectrum. So the majority of students coming into home education are not actually working well within the system. Their parents are bringing them home. And um, something that I've noticed that we talk about, we, you know, deficits and everything else, that, um, you know, some of those things like writing, yeah. <laughs> that's not something that is as important as it may be emphasised uh, at school. Uh, so you sort of, they're the sorts of things you start to question. So you start to think about what are the skills that kids are going to need in the future to deal with this landscape? And you start to look at those skills and then you can actually start to push the others out. And, you know, people who are on the spectrum are actually going to be sought after, you know, in the future. It, it, it looks like a deficit, but... And, and, of course, there's challenges with it. I'm not denying that, but um, there's also some great advantages that we will need um, in the workforce in the future. Yeah. And because we've discovered um, that we all learn in different ways and at different rates, and I, I think there's been experiments where they've given... Uh, the same test to different groups of children in different ways and the outcome of each test was that there were different groups of high performing and low performing students even though the material was actually the same it was just presented in a different way so it sounds like with homeschooling what you're doing is giving the opportunity to your kids to discover how best they learn mm-hmm. and and how to apply that learning and to get innately curious about things and to question things and to not just um take things uh, for granted or wait for direction all the time like they're, they're very mm. self-motivated and uh, not always no <laughs> sometimes they need a little bit of a nudge from mum so yeah um you know i think uh, i think we've all um we, we don't all just sit there you know working away on our little projects and some of our days looked a bit miserable um but i think also um if you if you keep bashing your head against a wall and you are miserable learning at home you're doing it the wrong way and you end up being like a little bit of an educational rebel um you end up you end up 
questioning a lot more. Why are we doing it this way? Why is everyone just taking this for granted that this is the way we do things or this is what we need to learn? You actually, um, as a parent, and then hopefully your kids start to pick up on that, You, you, you then you turn into a social rebel, don't you? You start questioning society and, and your role in it. And But you can have a conversation at the dinner table or at lunchtime and, and that's learning. So you actually start to look at learning and and skills and and your life in a much broader sense um, rather than, okay, we did a worksheet, we must have learnt that. So um, it, for me, as a, as a teacher, as a parent and as a person, it just broadened my view on learning in the world. And I think mm. a lot of home-educated kids don't see a distinction between life and learning. Yeah. That learning is just part of their life. So they're not sort of, oh, I better stop doing this and go and learn something. Yeah. They just, learning is just part of what they do. It doesn't stop mm. at three, doesn't start at nine. Um, we joke sometimes in the holidays, you know, my son will start asking me a deep physics question. I go, stop, it's the holidays, you know, <laughs> and we just have that as our joke because it's not, it's not actually relevant to us. Yeah. Mm. So if there's any of our listeners who are right now thinking that they might like to investigate more about home education and see if that's right for their children and their family, um, where would you suggest they start now to begin that journey so they have something to take away with them? I, I mean, I think one of the things that people might um, find daunting at first is to feel that they might be isolated. So I would suggest starting to connect, connecting with networks, uh, look on the internet, look for Facebook groups and things like that, um, and then just do some investigation about how different people home educate, the different um, ways that people do things. There's so much information on the internet. There's also um, national support groups that have helplines. So there's, there's lots of very generous home educators in Australia and in the ACT ready to talk to people um, but connecting in with networks and starting to get a feel for the way things are done I think is a really good first step. Yeah and I think that um, you know once you have met a few people who have home educated their children and you realise that they're, they're not hippies, mm-hmm. um, their children are successful you know for for their age group so you know they may not as as long as the kids are happy and um they're learning that's that's all any of us want for our children no matter how we're educating them so if if they're in a traditional schooling situation and they're not learning and they're not happy um it can't be worse at home (laughs) you know just do it (laughs) and i think yeah very much um I think nearly everyone when they start, um, particularly if their kids have been at school, um, worries that they're not doing the right thing, that they're going to wreck their kid and their chances of, you know, a future career or happiness or being a normal person. They're worried that they're not going to do enough, that they won't be good enough, that they they were crap at maths at school and they they won't be able to teach their child maths. Um, Know that everybody feels that way, I think, to a certain degree. Know that there is help. Know that you can't, in a lot of cases, do worse than if, if the kid was at school. If they're that miserable and they're, they're not learning, then you will do better. Um, have faith that um, being together 
and reading and talking and discussing and listening to each other is also learning. I think we really underestimate how important that is. Um, if you can do those things with your child, um, no matter what their age really, if you can read together, talk together, discuss things together, they are learning. And, um, you know, that it doesn't have to be a final decision either they can go back to school they can go to university there's lots of pathways to go to university that don't require an ATAR but they can you know you you can you can do open university from a much earlier age there's lots of different pathways and there's lots of options um, if you're thinking about giving it a go if your child's wanting you to give it a go if you're able to for work um, I would just say jump in and and go exploring and give yourself time yes. and your children time because if they're used to being given work they're not going to be highly motivated initially no. just give them time we call it de-schooling um, give them some time relax relax yourself and um, and then things will start to happen and if, and if you're thinking that at the moment you know the school holidays are just about to start and you're you're thinking, oh, how am I going to make it through the next however many weeks with my children at home? Yeah. That attitude completely changes and you start not understanding people who say, oh, my God, it's the school holidays. How am I going to cope? And, you know, we people who home educate think, why don't you like your children? <laughs> you know, like why, why are you raising little people that you don't even like? So, you know, once... once the outside influences are lessened and you spend more time together, you actually start to really like your kids and they're interesting, amazing people. They become nicer people too. Yeah. <laughs> and Vivian, did you want to add anything to close? Um, well, I just agree that um, it's really important if you're starting to think about home education and how you're going to get into it um, it's really important to connect with other home educators. You can contact the Home Education Association or um, find local home educators in your area through Facebook. I think that's really probably an important first step to start speaking to people who are already doing it and just testing it out. And I think someone else also said, school will always be there. You can always... Mm. You can always go back to school they will have you that's they will always have your child back <laughs> um and yeah so if if you think that you'd like to try home education just start just do it and connect with others who are already doing it well thank you so much ladies this has been a really really informative uh, morning for me as well so thank you kate and ingrid and Lindsay and Vivian for joining us and sharing your experiences about home education today. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah.